This week on the podcast, we're going to wrestle with this question. Why is it so hard to be a transformational coach? Once upon a time, we lived in a world where parents and players chose to participate in sports because they believed the sport was going to teach them values and character traits that were going to benefit them for the rest of their life. Parents signed their children up to be part of a school sport because they wanted them to learn discipline and hard work and to be responsible and to manage their time. It was assumed that the value in the sport, or at least an important aspect of it, was some sort of transformation in character in their son or daughter for participating. However, over the last 20 or 30 years in coaching, that dynamic has changed. The expectations of parents and players now has become more transactional in that they come out for a sport and they're looking for what's in it for them whether it's a starting position, it's playing time, it's recognition, it's exposure, it's a college scholarship, the terms of their participation has changed. Now, many of you who listen to the podcast are likely motivated with the desire that you want to have an impact on the lives of those that you lead. And yet, despite wanting to have a transformational impact on your players, we run into this transactional world that we live in today where where parents and players too many times are predisposed to the idea of what is it that I get out of this rather than who I become. And it's this point of tension that we're gonna talk about this week. How can we become transformational coaches in a transactional world? Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin alongside my co-host, Nate Sanderson. And every week in 30 minutes or less, we're giving you transformational leadership tools and strategies This podcast is brought to you by Thrive On Challenge, which provides mentorship for coaches to help them grow as a coach and build their culture. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. You're listening to episode 100, Being a Transformational Coach in a Transactional World. I'm so excited today to bring you the 100th episode of Coaching Culture. It's kind of crazy to know that Almost two years ago, I was when I was just getting started with this podcast, um, the first episode I ever did took about 50 hours and I had about a million takes, right? The first few months, uh, listens were less than like 500 a month. Now we, uh, some days get over 1,000 listens in a day. Uh, definitely, Nate, as a co-host, has been an important addition uh, to the podcast. We've been blessed with some amazing guests. And I know many of our listeners also greatly uh, appreciate our efforts to keep our message clear, to keep it concise and practical. And I'm totally aware we don't have high quality sound editing and production, but I truly believe we're offering some of the highest quality uh, practical systems and tools for you to grow as a leader and to change the lives of the people in your team. And it's really reflective of everything we try to do at Thrive On Challenge, right? We help you change lives through our mentorship, or through our retreats, through our workshops. We're not offering this pie in the sky advice, but we're offering real practical strategies that, are, that have been used by real coaches and leaders that have strengthened their relationships and the raised standards in their team. So if you wanna learn more about those things, go to thriveonchallenge.com. And also, if you believe this podcast is worthy, uh, we'd appreciate you leaving a nice review for us on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Now enough about us, let's get into today's episode. 
So maybe one of the most important experiences in my journey as a coach was in one off season, I had made this commitment to transformational coaching, right? I had read Inside Out Coaching. I had decided I was 100% all in. It was the priority. I had put winning. It was, yeah, it was still important to me, but that was going to be secondary to, the, to my mission as a coach, was, which was to impact the lives of the people in my program. And so I shared that. I shared that with my players. I shared that with the parents. And I kind of put it all out there. When I, when I did that, what I expected was, yeah, maybe a little bit of a hesitation. Is he serious? Is he all in on this? But as I started to put it into action, I really expected people to be all on board with it, right? I didn't expect to uh, or anticipate resistance. But in my experience, what I did get was a lot of resistance. I got a lot of resistance from certain parents because what they wanted was what they could get out of it, what their son was getting out of it. Was there, were they, you know, it all came down to playing time, this, uh, winning games, uh, being treated fairly, exposure. And it was all about that. And the, who their sons were becoming, that was always secondary to them. And so that became a really low point in my coaching actually journey in some ways because here I had made this jump. I had made this full-on commitment to something I thought like I was being called to do. But the world, world was saying, we really don't care about that right now. And I know that is the experience of so many other coaches out there on this journey. They commit, they go all in on this, and yet the world doesn't seem to just jump on board with that. Well, and JP, what you're talking about here is, is really the, the conflict point for so many coaches and you know parents or players or even administrators at times, where if you consider a player coming into your program with a certain list of expectations, you know they want to varsity shirt, they want a starting position, they want so many shots, they want recognition in the paper, you know, they want awards at the end of the year, ultimately they want exposure and they want to go play in college, okay? These are the expectations that are often unspoken. And so in some ways, maybe the player or the parents come in and this is this, the contract, they're giving you the privilege of coaching their child, but what they expect in return, the, the bill of sale is that they get those things that we just listed in return, right? That's the payment for being able to coach that player in your program. The hard part is, is that stuff is very rarely put on the table at the beginning. So you go into it thinking, I'm trying to provide a good experience. I want players to grow. I want them to become better people. And then when those expectations that the player or the parent had are not met, the contract that they expected to be fulfilled has been violated because you didn't help them to achieve those things, or that wasn't the primary purpose that you were pursuing. And all of a sudden, now we have a conflict, right? And when that contract is broken, then the player or the parent says, well, we're not going to stay here, or we need a different coach in this program, or we're going to go somewhere else, or whatever it might be, to make sure that they're going to get what they want, regardless of what change you're trying to bring in the life of that player. Well, ultimately, Nate, what you've got is a situation where parents are starting to shop around, essentially, for the best deal. And I don't even think these parents are fully aware. I think if you ask a lot of parents and you actually sit down with them, I know this, you know, why they want their child in sports, they will say admirable things and, and, and positive things around, you know, enjoying their sport and becoming uh, a better person or learning character skills or becoming a stronger leader. But when it comes down to it in the heat of the season and they're not getting what they want when it comes to that, those things that we've mentioned around that, the transactions, that's when we start to experience that resistance and we start to feel very 
under attack often, right? I know that my experience, when I made that jump to transformational coaching, when I thought was going to be a great moment, became a moment where I felt more isolated in coaching than I ever had. I felt more used in coaching than I ever had. And I was honestly afraid. I was afraid to walk in the gym some days and some nights because I was just scared out of my mind about what was going to happen next as far as the attacks upon me and the resistance I was going to be facing. JP, I think what you're describing there, so many of us have experienced at one time or another in our career, you know, when we're trying to enact this change. And I think as we we start to consider, you know, well, what are the next steps then? If that's the, the point of conflict that so many of us are going to experience when you walk down this road of pursuing a journey in transformational coaching, I think the first thing that I would say is that you're not going to change the world. In other words, we live in a transactional society. This approach of what's in it for me is not unique to sports. Teachers are encountering the same conflicts in the classroom. You know, at the high school level, at the university level, my wife works in human resources, and she's dealing with people that are constantly asking simply, what's in it for me, what's in it for me, what's in it for me, right? And so it isn't that we're going to change the approach of society in 2019. But the trick is, how do we take this transactional mentality and leverage it to our advantage? In other words, if you have people that are coming into your program and they're asking what's in it for me, they have an idea, a specific idea of what they want to get out of this experience. You have something of tremendous value to offer, right? A transformational experience where the athlete enters your program one way and they become someone different as a result of being in your program. The trick is how do you position that so that, that parents and players begin to understand and appreciate that you offer a better deal, right? That, that becoming someone better is more important than the college scholarship or the starting position or recognition in the newspaper, that what you're offering is something that will last and, and benefit their life forever beyond just the next year or two years or four years after that. And this is the key as coaches that we have to be able to articulate is what is the transformation that your athletes are going to go through as a result of playing for you? In other words, what are they going to be transformed into? And often Nate, our approach as coaches, and when we are trying to present that is to put it together on a slide at the beginning of the year, that parent meeting of, this is my mission as a coach and this is what I'm trying to do. But I think we have to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more intentional of helping the parents and guiding them through a process of really who do they want their son or daughter to become? Like what is important? And asking questions to get them to think about what's really, really important. Joe Ehrman asks a great question um, in the book Inside Out Coaching that they present to the parents. You know, one of the first questions they ask is, is what are your concerns for your son or daughter for the, for the next five years in their life, right? And you're already, he, I love that question because it's already positioning what's really important and, you know, that the obstacles that they're facing, it starts to get to them to think about their life and who they want them to become. And so asking some questions and getting them to engage in some discussions around who they want their son or daughter to become, I think is actually the first step here. You know, JP, one of the challenges when you're trying to unpack this transformational approach and you're trying to communicate your intentions with your players and, 
and parents and administrators in your program, like I'm reminded of this story that we shared with our team a number of years ago when we first started kind of down this road. And it's the story of Matt Saman, who was a college basketball player at Baylor University. Um, and he was on the team when uh, the Baylor scandal, when the, the Patrick Dennehy was murdered by one of his teammates um, and the NCAA came in and the police came in and they investigated the program. And Saman at the time, he was a, a high school basketball player in Pennsylvania and kind of grew up with this dream of he always wanted to play in the NCAA tournament. Like that, that was the thing that he elevated above everything else and was like the purpose of his basketball career, right? So he gets an opportunity to play at Baylor. He's kind of a reserve his first year. He gets into the rotation his second and third year. And going into his senior season, it, it looks like Baylor's going to kind of have their breakthrough year. It hadn't been a very good program before that, but they're picked to be fourth in the Big 12, and there's even chatter of being in the top 25. And so there's all this anticipation that his dream, this thing that he's worked for his whole life, is finally going to come true. Well, after this whole episode of the, the murder and there's – drugs involved and then the police are involved and then the NCAA comes in and they investigate the Baylor program and they find out that the coach had been paying players that he was recruiting to sort of build this this program and so the NCAA decided that anybody in the Baylor program um, that was clean was allowed to transfer with no penalty and so three guys that would were future NBA draft picks end up leaving and going to other schools and starring there and Saman is left behind because he's the 6'2 backup point guard. Nobody wants him. And now he's stuck going into his senior year with seven scholarship players in one of the most difficult leagues in the country. And they're literally holding tryouts for walk-ons and they're scouting intramurals on campus to try to fill out a roster, right? And Saman writes about this experience in a book called The Leftovers. And really what the book is about is having this dream pursuing it for his whole life, and then having it taken away from him and being forced to answer the question, what do I want when I can't have what I want? And so he wrestles with this idea of what's going to make my senior year still valuable and still matter. And this is a story that we often use to introduce the note card activity that we do with our players to challenge them with the idea of what else is there besides your points per game and your, your status on the varsity team and for those, I know a lot of listeners probably use this with their teams, but for those who aren't familiar with it, essentially we, we get our players, we sit them down, and we have them write on a note card. What are their individual goals for the season? A couple, two or three measurable goals. And we have them turn it over and write some measurable goals for the team on the first note card. And then we tell them, what if I told you today that none of those things were going to come to pass? For whatever reason, no matter how hard we work, no matter what we do in the weight room, those goals are just not going to happen. We give them another note card and we ask them that same question that Saman wrestled with, what do you want if you can't have what you want? And what we're really trying to get them to think about is, what is our daily experience going to be like that's going to make it worthwhile for us to continue to come to practice every day? What are the relationships going to be like? What's it going to feel like? We want to get them to describe that. But we're also trying to, to spur them a little bit to think about what's going to benefit them from this experience that's going to last, that's going to last past the ball bouncing, right? When their career is over, are they going to be able to, to draw something from this experience that someday, as my friend Boomer Roberts say, is going to make them better husbands or better fathers or better citizens or better leaders or better teachers 
and we're, we're maybe for the first time prompting our players and parents when we do this activity with the challenge of what do they get out of this experience that's going to help them long beyond the sport. Yeah, I love those questions, Nate. I think they're so impactful. Uh, there's a question I remember uh, reading about that Brad Stevens would ask his players at Butler. And the question was, if you couldn't play at all, would you be a valuable teammate every day? And so I wrote an article kind of on that. It was an article really for players. And it was kind of came out about maybe a month and a half ago. And I've actually had a few emails about that. And one was a baseball coach this summer. And he gave kind of the assignment that I give at the end of that article uh, to, to his players. So every player read the article and it really was answering these questions. And every player had to kind of write out a few paragraphs, like kind of like a short essay on how they would be a valuable teammate every day in every little situations in the dugout and, you know, and when they go out to eat and like how they could be valuable, even if they weren't playing. And so he had all his players do that. And then he had them share those with their parents. And he was just reiterating to me the response that he got from the parents was just pretty impactful, just about how profound they thought it was that the, their players started, their, their sons started to see the value in just every role on that team. And so it was a really, really impactful thing. I'll be sure to post a kind of a link to that article. Um, and we'll also post a link to your questions for parents in the coaching notes, because these are the things that get people thinking about what's really, really important. Those type of questions, I think, are really, really important that we're asking. And Nate, like I mentioned at the earlier part of this podcast, for myself, I know for you, and for so many other coaches out there, uh, being able to articulate that and to communicate that and build and make that vision a reality, um, it's not as easy as it sounds um, or as we kind of expect it to be. And on that road, there's a lot of uncertainty. We're like very unsure as coaches on how to do that. We feel often isolated. And, and like we said, we feel afraid. And, and this is, it's kind of a timely episode because here we are at 100 episodes of coaching culture. And, and to kind of pick up, after my, pick up after my story that I shared earlier, which is, you know, I was going through that season and that's kind of was how the, the title Thrive On Challenge came about. It was, it was my first blog I ever wrote. And I'm still not exactly sure what possessed me to start writing about my experiences, but I understood very early on once I started writing that many coaches were going through the same thing. And that's, that's why we are doing what we're doing with this podcast and with our work at Thrive on Challenges, because no coach, in my opinion, should have to feel that isolation. They should have to feel that uncertainty or feel that fear when they have this mission around transformational coaching. Nobody should have to do this alone. And so that's why we've got the podcast, we've got the articles, I've written my book, and, they, and we, we offer the mentorship for coaches is really just to support them along the journey in a very personalized way. And that's why we found it to be so impactful. And we're just coming off one of the most incredible experiences of my life. I know you had an incredible experience and so many other of those other coaches in that retreat in Utah where we got together and, 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 and were able to share in those experiences and to get more clarity. Um, and, and really go deep into these topics. JP, I think what was so powerful for many of us at the retreat was that not only did we wrestle with some, some challenging and, and relevant material in terms of the content of the things that we presented, but we did that together. You know, that we had 12 or 13 guys in a room that are all struggling with how to 
be able to clarify their vision in terms of the transformation that they hope their players go through and the process for communicating that to others and how we go about implementing that with our team. And even now, a month later, we're still exchanging ideas and thoughts and things that we're trying with every one of those guys, you know, in different ways. And I think that building that community, just so, just as you said, we're not walking through this journey alone, that we're going through these challenges together uh, is one of the, the great benefits of being part of this Thrive On community. It's getting the chance to work with guys like Stan, a former college basketball coach in Canada turned athletic director who is starting a new position this fall with the goal of implementing a transformational philosophy across every program in his athletic department. Came to us and spent a few days with us at the retreat and just hearing his story is what motivates us here at Thrive On. Hi, I'm Stan Peters, Athletic Director at Briarcrest College. Um, the reason I came uh, to the conference or the retreat is to keep diving into what it means to be a transformational leader, transformational coach. It's been a journey that I've been on for the last 20 years and uh, I've been looking for a like-minded group that's ready to push the boundaries and really dive into uh, the meat of you know, how do you change from being a transactional coach into a trans transformational coach? And it's been fantastic weekend, uh, just learning more, connecting with other guys, uh, challenging each other. And I'm just looking forward uh, as we move forward, just to keep uh, growing and learning as a group and supporting each other and encouraging each other and challenging each other. I just love how you can hear the, the birds chirp in the background, but uh, let us know if you're interested in attending our next retreat, May 1st through 4th uh, next year. That, it's gonna fill up quickly. Um, we also got some other future retreats out there. Just take 30 seconds to fill out a form. We've got a link at the top of the episode details. All you do is fill out the form and then we'll be in touch. Uh, Stan's a dear friend and we're excited to be supporting uh, him and Briarcrest College in the coming year. There's some really special things that are happening all the way up in Saskatchewan, Canada. Now, if you want to be part of a very special support network, definitely consider attending one of our retreats next year. Let us know you're interested by just filling out the form or going to thriveonchallenge.com slash retreats.